everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Sex Ed Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Mosier. And I'm your other host, Jen McPhail. We had such a great response to our first episode last week that Kaylee and I decided we were going to release episodes every week. So, hope you guys are into that. Um, (laughs) Anyway, here's our second episode. Take a listen. Hope you enjoy. So this week I'm talking to my co-host about their sex education that they had while growing up. So let's jump right in. Jen, can you tell me a little bit about your pronouns and sexuality? Yeah, absolutely. My pronouns are she or they, and my sexuality is pansexual or bisexual. I tend to use bisexual because pansexual makes me think of pans. So why don't you tell me a little bit like about your sex ed experience in school? Like, do you remember Mm -hmm. what grade you were in when you first learned about sex in a schoolular setting? Yeah. So I, I went to a couple different schools growing up. So I started in kindergarten through eighth grade, going to a private religious school that was very small, maybe 300 students in the entire like K through eight system. So it was, there were 20 kids in my class throughout my whole time there and so my first sex ed experience in school was in middle school there Mm -hmm. and then I went to public school in high school that was um a little bit bigger it it wasn't like large you know it was large relative to my previous school experience there would be 300 kids in my class Mm -hmm. um maybe a little bit less so it was a lot bigger um still not as big as some high schools (laughs) um and so I, I got sex ed in high school as well in a public school setting. Um, I also, growing up, went to like a lot of Christian camps. And so I, I got some sex ed in like educational settings outside of school as well. Um, and I, what I can say about it, it was, it was all very confusing looking back. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I guess. So I got like a lot of religious stuff, um, which was largely not super useful we can get into that (laughs) and I got a lot of I got a a lot of good practical advice as well um which was useful but at the time I didn't know what was useful and what wasn't like I had to figure out what was useful by like living my life having sexual experiences Mm -hmm. and like being able to draw on what was useful and it wasn't until after I had sex and um you know been in relationships for a few years looking back being like wow that was not helpful yeah (laughs) um but at the time I just took kind of took it all at face value because I didn't know that some of it was bad Mm -hmm. um so like for example um in both my private school education religious education and my public school education we we did have units on um, like abusive relationships and sexual harassment, um, okay. which was super useful. And honestly, a, like a religious school didn't have to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess no school technically has to do that. But um, I, I, looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised that they went out of their way to talk about relationships, especially to eighth graders who probably didn't have a lot of relationship experience. And so telling them what to look out for was useful later on. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, there there was a fair amount of harmful stuff as well it was a lot of abstinence only a -hmm. lot of you know only talking about sex within marriage and so like even the idea of having sex outside of marriage was not was not talked about but obviously 
the opportunity to have sex before marriage comes up. So you, you like don't really know <laughs> what to do if that's the only education you get. So uh, it was kind of like a mixed bag there. Yeah. Um, my private school education also was, was a, I won't say it was a lot of abstinence. They were very clear that that was like the best slash only way to stay safest and not get pregnant, which is mm-hmm. technically true i guess in the same way that like not getting in a car is the only way to make sure you never get in a car accident (laughs) um but there was a lot more um about how to have safe sex Mm -hmm. um and and they kind of went the route of scaring you (laughs) like if you don't wear a condom you will get every single std and it will ruin your life sort of situation which was like again not super helpful um Mm -hmm. but maybe more I think like telling you how to use condoms and whatnot is a little more age appropriate for high school than it is for middle school. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about your sexual harassment and abuse mm-hmm. education. You said that was in middle school, right? Yeah. So I got some middle school and in high school in middle school, we had this, like looking back, it was like a very hokey PSA video, like clearly done in the nineties with like, cool r&b music and like kids and sneakers dancing around or whatever so and so like we all made fun of it of course but like there were looking back there were some useful things like they talked about how harassment is not just touching someone it can be comments that make you uncomfortable they had like little reenactments of reenactments of what comments look like um what touching could look like and how Mm -hmm. to how to talk to your peers about it or to an adult about it um, if it happened to you. So that was pretty progressive, like in general, but also for a religious school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in high school, we had we had like a whole unit on healthy relationships in general. We talked about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is um, like you need your basics taken care of before you can take care of some of the higher level things. Like everyone needs food and shelter and to feel secure. And then as they move up, they need like emotional support and all of that. Um, And we talked about like what abusive relationships look like and how Mm -hmm. to maybe notice that in some of your own relationships or your friends' relationships, how they typically cycle. They start out um, going well, then they, you know, little by little go downhill until there's like a breaking point of verbal or physical abuse. And then they cycle back to being good again. Um, so those were a lot of takeaways. I, now that I have had some experience with relationships, I think that we got a lot of education on how to look out for bad things, how to say no to things that you didn't want, which is very useful because people often find themselves in those situations. What I didn't get a lot of education on was how to say yes to -hmm. things that I did want. Um, Obviously, women's pleasure was never talked about or pleasure in general was never really talked about. Um, how, How to look for healthy relationships and not just how to get out of bad relationships wasn't really talked about. Um, I guess I wish I had gotten more direction on that and sort of been told it was okay to like want to have sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) um to you know seek out pleasure whether it's like you know by myself or with someone else Mm -hmm. and yeah what what to look for in like a satisfying romantic or sexual relationship yeah it's pretty interesting I think a lot of sex education tends to be more on the negative side and I wonder if that's because, I mean, 
it's sex education. If we're only teaching the negative half of that, we're really painting a lot of it in a negative light. Whereas if we were to teach young people about all the positive sides, maybe they would take some of the negative parts more seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that by default, if you only share or mostly share the negative sides, then you sort of leave people thinking by default they should not want sex. You know, they should not have needs or feelings uh, mm-hmm. of like being horny or whatever it is, and they should not seek that out. They should actively, in fact, they should actively not seek it out. <laughs> they mm-hmm. should try to try to get away from it, which is not what I wanted at the time and didn't really know how to Mm -hmm. say and also kind of struggled in finding like healthy relationships because I felt like I kind of had to do it like covertly um and I yeah I always felt like I was doing something like bad or secret Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I didn't have to feel that way especially as I like got into college and moved out on my own like I I should Mm -hmm. have felt like I had agency and I, I didn't for a while yeah and I think that's an interesting point over it because if everything that you learn from adults or from school if all of your educational material about sex frames it as something negative but then what you're feeling inside of your body is that you want it then that teaches you I mean that's a really confusing lesson right that has you thinking well I really want to do this thing but I was taught that it was wrong so I must be wrong yeah and I definitely waited like I you know, we hear a lot that like no one ever regrets waiting. And I, I wouldn't say that I like regret waiting per se, but I, <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I heard that too. <laughs> right. No one, no one regrets that. Not like, Oh yeah. I want to bet. Um, I, I don't regret waiting per se, but I, um, I kept hearing from people like, you'll know when you're ready, you'll know when you're ready. And I was like, well, I, I don't know anything. So I clearly don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is that you are supposed to know, to know that you're ready. But I, I definitely was when I was a teenager. So I, I had sex for the first time or like, you know, PIV sex for the first time, <laughs> heterosexual sex for the first time when I was 18. Nice. And, I, and I was very like, I had like a very American pie moment where it was like summer and I was like about to go to college and I was like, oh my God, I have to, I have to do this. <laughs> like I cannot go to college a virgin, even though virginity is like a bullshit concept. And I know that now. Um, uh, it's hard to know that when you're 18. Right. Um, and so I sort of, I had sex with a guy and then I was like, damn, I could have done that way sooner. <laughs> I was like, that was it. And, and I mean, like my first sexual experience, I don't think a lot of people can say this was actually pretty good. It wasn't like traumatic or terrible. So I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad for that. But I also was like, damn, what are all these people telling me? They're so wrong. Like I, I, could have, I, I knew I was ready and I was like, oh, I must not be ready. Cause I don't know things. Um, yeah. Anyway. So it sounds like in your high school, you guys talked about what creates a healthy relationship, which I think is actually really exciting to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my experience was very focused, almost uh, at least in high school, was very like almost clinical mm-hmm. on like, you know, this is how I don't even know if they said this is how it's done. I remember like we talked about condoms. I remember we talked about babies. We had the little robot babies we had for a weekend. Nice. Um, I don't remember talking about relationships at all. Maybe we did, but mm-hmm. if we did, it did make an impact on me apparently. 
<laughs> well, I'm curious what all, um, if you want to go into more detail mm-hmm. on what they taught you and if like, d- was that a lot of overlap with the sexual stuff or were those kind of separate units? There were definitely, definitely separate units. I remember, um, and a lot, a lot of the stuff I remember about sex was very fear based. Like they did the whole passing out pictures of, um, genitals that, uh, had infections or, or oh, STDs God. and like, you know, very bad ones. It, the, the pictures were like open wounds or like pussy <laughs> gross mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, they're very much like if you have unprotected sex, and maybe even if you have sex at all, like this will happen to you and it will ruin your life. You will never be able to get rid of herpes. You will never be able to get rid of um, HPV. You'll have genital warts forever, which is um, like it's kind of a teeny tiny bit true. Like it is true that once you have the herpes virus, virus HSV, that you you sort of have it forever and you may or may not have have outbreaks like you may be asymptomatic but they you know what they failed to tell us was that like something like 80 percent of sexually active people have hsv and or hpv mm-hmm. they're extremely common most many many people are asymptomatic and if you aren't then you there's medication to make you asymptomatic a lot mm-hmm. of the time and you just be like a little bit more careful about when you have sex you know yeah and and STDs um, are not the end of the world or the end of your life. They're completely normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's like one thing that they sort of scared you about. And they, you know, scared you about pregnancy. And they, I remember there was like a lot of guilt around, we talked about pornography too. And there was like a lot of guilt around that, our teacher. Really? Said, yeah. Like she would show us some, some, um, diagrams for example of like reproductive organs or whatever and she'd be like i hate this illustration it looks like so porny or pornographic or whatever and i'd be like a why are you showing it then b like now i've got this image in my mind of like porn so thank you i like the idea that your teacher's looking at like biology based porn Like there was one, there was one illustration of like a woman with her legs spread because that is the best way to see the <laughs> vagina. Like, sorry, it's literally inside you. And she was like, this image looks so pornographic. I was like, I don't know how else <laughs> you would do this, but okay. Um, and then she t- would tell stories like about her son's looking at pornography she had sons that were maybe a few years older than us and how she would like take away their mouse and their keyboard and like make sure they weren't looking at porn and how it's all objectifying of women and um uh yeah and I was like oh god and I was I was sort of coming to terms with my sexuality at that Mm -hmm. time as well and so I I was looking at porn and I was looking at porn of women and I was like do I hate women or do I like them I don't know (laughs) it's always a little bit of both (laughs) isn't it? <laughs> wow. That's really interesting. I, I don't think porn was ever brought up in mine. Well, not in school, probably mm-hmm. in religious camps, which I think you mentioned that you also yes. went to religious camps. I would love to hear about what you yeah. learned there. The religious camps are probably the most scarring, the most Same. guilt-inducing, the most culty, I guess. <laughs> um, so I remember very distinctly this uh, this lesson we had, this woman came in who like, wasn't part of the camp staff. Like they brought her in to do this lesson mm-hmm. for us. And Wait, they quick, had, how, how old were you? Okay. So I must've been, I must've been in middle school. So I had probably, this might have been, it was definitely one of my first official sex ed experiences, oh. if not my first. Uh-huh. Um, 
and we the lesson was very was very shamey and um guilt inducing as well so we she did a, a couple demonstrations um <laughs> Kaylee's, Kaylee's face was she stopped drinking her wine there for a sec um uh so for example she had us all she had a couple people come up to the front and I was one of these people I was as a child I was like very into participating in things like this like my hand like shot up as soon as she's like oh, I need a volunteer so we get up there it's me and a couple other people I think and so she gives us a cup of water we have to like drink the water but hold it in our mouths and then spit it back into the cup (laughs) (laughs) I think you know where this is going and so then she she's like well these two people you know they have sex and so she like combines their cups of like spit water together and then she's like trying to make the point that which is a very common point, I think, that happens in religious circles, which is when you have sex with someone, you're having sex with everyone else they've had sex with, mm-hmm. which is not true <laughs> at all. Like, it's I like very to think weird. that it is. Get those numbers up. <laughs> like, yeah, my body count's so high. <laughs> so she was, you know, combining everyone's water and she was like, would you drink this water now? It's like, no, my God. And the other person's hot. So you're like, fuck yeah. (laughs) You're like, yeah. I'm like trying to drink it. No, but I do remember distinctly like the crowd of kids was like egging on the boys who are in the group. You know, Mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, Nathan. The kid's name was Nathan. I remember (laughs) this because they were like, yeah, you get it, Nathan. We should find him. (laughs) (laughs) No, we shouldn't. Um, So again, that's sort of demonstrative even in that setting of like religious people of like Mm -hmm. men being sort of expected to like sex want sex it being socially Mm -hmm. acceptable for that and like me poor little like 11 12 year old jen i was like wait did he drink the water no one drank the water (laughs) we got the point sex is disgusting never do it with anyone um yeah it's kind of funny because like i mean drinking someone's spit water is at least equivalent to making out with someone right yeah, it's probably like it's probably even like it more concentrated closer. when you when you make out because there's yeah. no water barrier. It's like all just spit. Water, you know? water barrier. <laughs> no this is the safe dilution. way to make out. Just, <laughs> just drink each other's spit, spit water. water. <laughs> wow. Do you remember anything else from the? I mean, it's crazy. They brought a lady in to talk about that they're like we can't handle this (laughs) (laughs) like oh no I mean counselors are probably like just a few years older than us anyway they're probably Mm -hmm. like we don't know I remember like other other sort of related things um we had this whole these ongoing lessons about like pop culture in general and how like sinful and not Christ-centered it was so we did a lot more units on like listening to secular music and like dissecting the songs and like how we should never listen to them and Mm -hmm. you know we can be in the world but not of the world you know that that very nice saying that they like to say about the bible Mm -hmm. and I think that all of that was bullshit obviously and and thankfully once I got in into high school I was like well all that is bullshit Mm -hmm. um but you know that that was that was very formative for me uh that was some of the first stuff I learned about sex and gender and how I should be in the world. And so um, it took a while to shed that and to, to not have feelings of guilt about leaving that behind. Yeah. And I actually have some questions about how that mm-hmm. process was for you, because I know for me, a lot of my close friend group also went to a lot of those same camps and to mm-hmm. the same church. And because of that, 
I think it made it harder to shed some of those values until I left and went to public school and made friends that didn't have the same, you know, kind of puritanical value system. So I'm curious, like, how did you end up shedding those values? Is it just that you made new friends and had new experiences or, you know, what was that like? I maybe a a little bit. Um, Honestly, I grew up in a very conservative area a very religious area so leaving my religious school was it wasn't like some major change like mm-hmm. a, a lot of people were still religious um I remember just to give you a little little taste um when wh- like I was very into Harry Potter as well oh, and a lot of too. people were too we, that was also <laughs> very formative in our years growing up and in high school JK Rowling came out and said that Dumbledore was gay mm-hmm. and there were so many people in my class that were like so disappointed i remember having like multiple conversations about it, about how they like couldn't like dumbledore anymore and i was like what the fuck is happening they're like we will forgive all of the witchcraft <laughs> that's obviously part of this fictional universe but how dare there be gay wizards i put an accent on for that part yeah it was close <laughs> it, was, it was close to what they sounded like so yeah just stuff stuff like that i honestly i think so I, I was also in theater, so my mind was open there. Obviously, there mm-hmm. the stereotypes are true, fam. Uh, ton, of, <laughs> ton, ton of gay people in theater, a ton of flamboyant people in theater. So that's when I sort of started to like have gay friends and be like, mm-hmm. oh, these people are fine. And also, I'm fine because I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that mostly the internet opened up a lot of doors for me as well because I got to experience even more viewpoints from mm-hmm. people that I would never ever meet in person would never have known otherwise yeah. um so reading you know this is around the time that I started really getting into like feminist theory online reading about experiences of trans people and non-binary people and women and people of color and you know all this um transsectional feminism essentially Mm -hmm. um and it really really opened up my eyes honestly if I think I think if the internet had never been invented I would be like some housewife in suburbia right now married to a man with like 12 children I really credit the internet with like my awakening I think that might be true for me too because I know what really helped my transition through not being a Christian anymore was that I started googling doubt and reading about other people's doubt in Christianity and then Mm -hmm. like that kind of just snowballed for me so yeah yeah that's true um I what websites did you go to I don't I don't even know if I visited ones like multiple ones off the top of my head I don't think I went back made me so fucking gay (laughs) (laughs) I mean probably webkins um I um I'm trying to think of like how I accessed this stuff. So I, I started like Googling around for when I was like questioning my sexuality. Like I started Googling around. Um, I didn't even know what to Google at first, like just mm-hmm. like bisexual or like, you know, lesbian or whatever. And, and that like led to sort of down rabbit holes of like different blogs and different um, experiences and all this like gender terminology and mm-hmm. a bunch of feminist theory which like inevitably also leads to like um all these other inter- intersectional identities um like women of color and also like disability rights groups and like mm-hmm. you know uh, gender rights groups and uh, you know I don't even know all all of the all of the right <laughs> words for them but I 
just it was like such an awakening for me mm-hmm. um I, yeah I don't think I had any specific resources at the time I was just kind of gobbling up all of the information I possibly could yeah um yeah that's pretty interesting I mean so I work as a freelance writer, right? And SEO, search engine optimization, is a big part of what I do. And it's kind of interesting to think that, you know, basically your views are the way they are because these specific websites were able to reach you. Because based of search on a engine keyword. optimization. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think actually does play into what a lot of the reason that we are making this podcast is because, you know, sex education is so much more than just what your parents sit down and teach you or so much Mm -hmm. more than what you particularly learn in school. And while I do think that both of those things are very key and they do influence you a lot, I mean, there's so much that you can learn just through, you know, if you're just browsing Instagram and you see a lot of posts that are pro-trans or Mm pro-lesbian or pro-gay, that's going to make an influence on you, especially if they're shared by people that you admire. As well as if it was the opposite, if you're seeing a lot of like anti-abortion stuff from mm-hmm. someone that you admire and you're impressionable, then that might yeah. sway your opinion. So our sex education is really all around us. It's not just one particular thing. Yeah, for sure. And I I wish I had gotten like better representation in the media so that some of this was a little more mainstream and I didn't have to go like digging for it. And again, feeling like it had to be secret and covert and I was doing Mm -hmm. something taboo because these resources weren't readily available for me. So like when I got my own laptop, I must have been 16 or so. It was just like me in my like little hovel of a room, like Googling this stuff and being like, oh my God, (laughs) there are people out there that like, you know, are this way and do these things and I could maybe do this one day too. Um, yeah, and I I was also pretty, I guess, lucky in that my parents were generally pretty liberal. So, like, unfortunately not about sex stuff because they were also <laughs> religious. Mm-hmm. But their, their view of religion and Christianity was that Jesus came here to serve people, to serve the poor, to serve um, marginalized communities. And that is mm-hmm. what we are also called to do as Christians. And so we, I kind of grew up, like going to a lot of protests and um, doing a lot of um, like social justice oriented mission trips. Like we went on medical mm-hmm. mission trips and environmental justice mission trips. And so like, I, I also got to see different ways of living beyond my small little town through those, even if they weren't re- like necessarily about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sort of had this inkling that there were like other things beyond where I lived through that. Um, so I, you know, I do credit my parents with, you know, raising me to be curious about the world and like seek out new information and stuff, even if they didn't teach me the best stuff about Mm -hmm. sex. (laughs) They were doing the best they could probably. Yeah. That's how I look at it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious when, um, you started questioning your sexuality. Yeah. Uh, did you have any friends that were non-straight or were you kind of just going out on a limb there by yourself? I had a few friends mostly through theater that were not straight. Um, but they but it was also like very much along a binary so like i had straight friends and gay friends and mm-hmm. i with my gender and my sexuality i i kind of feel like in the middle and or a mix of both and so mm-hmm. i i always felt conflicted like well like i like boys and i like girls and again it was not something that i saw a lot mm-hmm. of and so i was like how do i do this how do i be this i my realization of that also came um like slowly over time like when I started 
having like sexual feelings for girls. Mm-hmm. I was probably it was probably around the same time that I was starting to have sexual feelings or like crushes on boys. So it was probably like 11 or 12 and they mm-hmm. weren't like overtly sexual. Like it wasn't like a sexualized child. It was just like, Oh, that person's cute. I'd like to hold their hand or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, but I started to feel really conflicted and guilty about it. Cause I was feeling the way about girls too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it happened, but around this time I, I must've picked up like a Cosmo or like a teen Vogue or something and was reading through the like user or the reader submitted questions this is going to be very specific get ready and there was a question that I was like oh my god it's me there's a question that was like sometimes when I'm looking through magazines or like um on the internet or something I'll see uh like a woman that I'm really attracted to or really like does this mean I'm a lesbian I was like yes (laughs) yes what does it mean and the answer was like not great it was like sometimes It wasn't like, I don't know. The answer was like, sometimes, you know, you, you look at these pictures and you, you like have a sense of arousal or you have a sense of attraction. And it really means that you want to be like these women or like look like these women and not necessarily be with them. And I was like, thank God that's what that means. (laughs) It's like, I'm not fucking gay. Thank God. (laughs) But I think that what that did for me was allow me to like continue to look at these pictures and feel less guilty about it because I was like it doesn't mean I like them it just means I want to be them like whatever the fuck that means um it it was wrong I definitely liked them uh I've gotten I got the same um I got the same spiel from someone they were did like you? you know you just admire them you're like yeah I do <laughs> and so but I yeah I think that it like sort of free freed me to like continue looking at these pictures and being like oh um and I felt less guilty about it so that Mm -hmm. when I was able and ready to admit to myself like okay definitely definitely actually like these women and think they're attractive um that that process I slowly let go of guilt through that Mm -hmm. um and so then I like in high school I was like okay maybe I'm like I learned about the Kinsey scale and so I was like okay maybe I'm just like incidentally homosexual you know that's like one of the things I don't I don't really understand what that means. Like, oh, if if an incident presents itself, you will accept it. I don't know. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'm just like slightly more straight on the Kinsey scale. Wrong again. (laughs) But um, so then I I started to like keep this list of like women I would have sex with if I given the opportunity. And it was like women (laughs) every single person on the planet would have sex with. It was like Beyonce, Shakira. (laughs) It was like not groundbreaking. But then it then the list started to like include women that I knew. (laughs) Like that Wait, where did you keep this list? For a while it was in my head, but then the list kept growing and so I had to write it down like in the back of a notebook somewhere. Do you still have it? No, definitely not. (gasps) Definitely not. Um, but then there, like the, the moment that I actually admitted to myself that I was bisexual was during, um, you know, that movie, he's just not that into you. Mm -hmm. So it has a ton of, it has like an ensemble cast Mm -hmm. and there's, there's a sort of like a tryst between Bradley Cooper's character and Scarlett Mm -hmm. Johansson's character. Mm -hmm. There's this one scene where they're having an affair, they're in his office and he's like, throwing all the things off his desk oh i know exactly what you're talking about i used to have sexual fantasies about that scene this is the scene this is the scene that i'm saying and he he was like grabbing scarlett johansson's ass and stuff and i i remember having the distinct thought like yeah i like i'd like to be scarlett johansson but i would like to be bradley cooper (laughs) (laughs) like 
Uh, and so it was sort of the first time I admitted to myself that I was not incidentally homosexual <laughs> and would like to like pursue women. And then it was it was years after that in college before I actually did pursue a woman or like actually did have sex with a woman. So this mm-hmm. this like very much happened slowly over time where I was like admitting to myself that like I do like women. And then the same thing sort of happened with gender as well, like slowly admitting to myself that, uh, you know, I didn't want to use she, her pronouns, that I didn't feel um, like those fit me and, and you mm-hmm. know, all of that. I'm yeah. so glad that someone else used to have fantasies about that scene. It's a really hot scene, you guys. The rest of the movie is like, meh, but that scene. That scene I still remember, and I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> I kind of want to go I watch it I definitely remember it, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I, oh, my God. Wow. You've like you've completely thrown off my podcasting persona. No, all I'm thinking <laughs> Kayla, about is... there's like is... a puddle in your chair right now. Um <laughs> The scene, the scene does get maybe hotter for some of you listeners out there because then his wife comes to the door like trying to be sexy. Uh-huh. She knocks on the door and they have to like throw Scarlett Johansson into a closet and then he proceeds to have sex with his wife like while Scarlett yeah, Johansson is in the closet. She watches. And then she comes out and is really mad She's at mad. him. Yeah. It's not porn. She doesn't come out and join. Very yeah. lame. <laughs> that, was, that was the fantasy Kaylee had. <laughs> um, and probably me too. But anyway, it's if, if anything, watch the movie for that scene, guys. Well, Jen, that was a really delightful conversation. I especially enjoyed the ending where we talked about <clears throat> the Scarlett Johansson, Bradley Cooper scene. <clears throat> Very groundbreaking stuff as far as sexuality. It's how a lot of us found out that, you know, we're open to all kinds of things. That we really like Scarlett Johansson <laughs> specifically. She was definitely on my list. I think the entire world really likes Scarlett Johansson. Like, you're kind of insane if you don't. Yes. <laughs> but also, you know, respect. I respect all of your wrong beliefs people who don't think she's sexy <laughs> yeah if you don't think she's sexy you can just stop listening to the podcast yeah, we don't we don't want, we don't you. want you as <laughs> at least listeners really just kidding please come back all right well thanks for talking to us about your experiences they're really interesting i'm hoping that we can keep talking about all that in the yeah. future so Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sex Ed Podcast. It's the best way to stay up to date with what's going on with us. Yeah, and please tell your friends about the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and subscribe, especially subscribe. since we're just starting out. Um, any ratings you can give us are really huge. See you next week. Bye. Bye. One time we went to SeaWorld and they fucking chose me to go up and pet a sea lion. It was like the best day of my life. So I was like way into participating in things. You're one of those people? Yeah, I was so lucky. It was like literally the best day of my entire life still to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, probably the best day of that seal's life too. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this is the seventh time today I've done this, kid. Shake my flipper and get gone. Um, (laughs) 